This episode of Grumpy Old Geeks is brought to you by you, dear listener. If you'd like to donate to the show and keep us on the air, please head to patreon.com slash GOG or click the PayPal button in the sidebar over at GOG.show. Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. It's our sixth anniversary, sorta. 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 It's six years since we started attempting to record, right? But we didn't actually get a real episode out the door for like another month or so. Uh, three weeks. Three weeks. Okay, so three in, weeks. In a couple, couple weeks, we'll have an actual anniversary. But I wanted to drive home the point to new podcasters that when you start, always throw away your first couple of shows because they're garbage. And then yep. even your first show is going to be garbage. Your first hundred shows are going to be garbage. And then you might get, okay. Some and might then... <laughs> say the first 327 shows are garbage. <laughs> That's true. I know a lot of people that say that, but <laughs> just stick with it. But yeah, six years after yep. we, since we started this in your loft in Venice. Congratulations to us, I suppose. I think I've been to Chicago and back to LA like four times since then. So. I think so as well. I think we actually should count those things. Those are what we should celebrate, your, your leave dates and arrival back dates. Yeah, really. Okay, Jason's <laughs> back in LA. Jason hates LA. He's going back to Chicago. Oh, wait, Jason's yep. back in LA. Yeah, we're, we're about due. How are you feeling? It's only been a year. It's only been a year. <laughs> That's true. Uh, we also happen to be recording on Friday, March 8th, which is International Women's Day. So I thought we could take a minute to mansplain that to everyone. <laughs> be my guest I'm kidding <laughs> I want to give a shout out though to Ada Lovelace widely known as the very first computer programmer and female so good on her yes yes I bet she'd be working for Google these days and miserable and getting paid less than a man how about a little follow-up and we have a bit of follow-up about uh I can't stop talking about this Disney Star Wars Galaxy Edge there was a bit of a surprise this week as uh, CEO Bob Iger explained to a crowd of investors it's opening up earlier than expected uh, it will be open here in Los Angeles, technically Anaheim, uh, on May 31st, and we'll be opening in Orlando August 29th. Uh, unfortunately, there are two big rides, one of which will not be ready, but the important one will be the Millennium Falcon ride. So there's that. And uh, of course, there's another wrinkle as well, because they're expecting it to be exceedingly popular. You will have to make a separate no-cost reservation to be able to go into Disney World, uh, the Star Wars land in Disneyland. So... I uh, will be eagerly anticipating the sign up for that. I'm sure you'll be sitting there pressing refresh over yes, and over and, and over. Just like happens with Ticketmaster or Live Nation, and I'll get screwed. Yep. That's the way it works. Uh, we also got some more good news. The Good Omens first trailer has dropped. Uh, the six season series will be dropping on Amazon Prime. Uh, six season, I wish. Six episode series will be dropping on Amazon Prime May 31st. The trailer looks fantastic. It does. And I also watched the Hannah trailer this morning which uh, drops on March 29th on Amazon Prime. Now, mm -hmm. I have a problem here with mm. the trailers that Amazon Prime is putting out. Uh -huh. You know how we talked like last week about how Game of Thrones is really good about showing you a bunch of stuff, but none of it really matters. It's just the yep. tip of the iceberg. Yep. Well, they need to, like, they need <laughs> to go over to Amazon and kind of tell them how it's done because... You get the entire story in both of these trailers. You it's kind of do, which is fine for me because I've read Godomans about 7,000 times. So yeah, I'm OK with it. But uh, yeah, they, they do kind of uh, tease a little. They're not really teasers. They're more like encapsulations. If you don't yeah. want to watch the whole thing, just watch this. Yeah, it's the cliff notes basically <laughs> is all it is. And it looks great. It really yeah. looks great. You know, really you know, does. my love for David Tennant. So mm -hmm. I cannot wait. Uh, and the Hannah trailer looked good, too. I mean, the movie was great. But mm -hmm. since I saw the movie, I know what's going to happen in the series. So right. it's just like watching a really slow version of the movie play out. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. A little Grand Tour follow up. It's funny that you mentioned that. I was actually going to wait for next week's media candy because I had completely dropped off my radar that there was Grand Tour. And I just recently restarted watching it. What, what episode are you on? Uh, I'm up to episode four now because I'd watched episodes one and two and then completely forgot about its existence for however long it's been. And just this, just a couple of days ago, I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't realize that, that it was still on until this morning when I was watching the Hannah trailer. I'm like, oh, wait, <laughs> I still got Grand Tour. I've watched one episode and was so underwhelmed that it just did not get on my radar to go back and even think about it. Well, now that I've watched four episodes, I have to say, I think they've definitely made the right decision in that next season. It's just going to be all trips. Um, mm -hmm. the trip episode, there's one, uh, I think it's episode three is just a trip and there's a couple more in this season. They are phenomenal. 
And then mm -hmm. as soon as I went back to episode four and it was them in the stupid tent doing things, I was bored out of my mind again. Yeah, the trips are really what's in their wheelhouse. It's, it's really just watching for the trips. That the, Those episodes are fantastic. So next season should be wonderful. No more Conversation Street. Oh, God. Such a joke. Uh, and uh, as more people seem to be coming around to our way of thinking eventually, uh, I think if you go back and listen to all six years of us, <laughs> we were <laughs> yep. calling it right a lot of the time and it just took the world a long time to catch up. Uh, Facebook is playing a bit of catch up with YouTube as well. They are finally cracking down on anti-vaccine hoaxes all over their site. They will stop showing pages and groups that spread anti-vaccination content in search results and will stop recommending them for users to join. No word if they're deleting uh, Jenny McCarthy's page. That's true. That's true. The interesting <laughs> thing about this is, you know, it's like once one of the dominoes falls, then everybody comes in line. Like, yep. look at look at the Alex Jones thing. All it took was one person or one company, not one, one company person. to stand up and say no more. Yep. <laughs> and then everybody else was like, oh, OK, because everybody else looks and goes, oh, oh, well, they didn't go out of business or lose a lot of money getting rid of those idiots. Huh. I guess we could do that, too. Now. Yeah. You look like a <laughs> douchebag if you don't get rid of the douchebags. I think that's the, the takeaway from this. Yeah. And I found a great article over on Medium, which is actually from Fast Company. Mm -hmm. It's called Why Podcast Fans Will Always Reject a Netflix for Podcasts. And this goes into our discussion last week about Luminary mm -hmm. and Spotify and all these people trying to put, you know, shows behind the paywall. And it's great. And she's got a couple quotes here that I just love. As more and more platforms look to wall off content for paying subscribers, listeners are getting left out in the cold, and now podcasting is starting to look like everything else, where only pre-sold talent who've had success elsewhere gets opportunities. I have no problem with treating podcasting as a serious business, but as the industry grows, investors and entrepreneurs best not lose sight of why people love podcasting in the first place. The relationship formed between creators and their audiences, not audiences and their favorite media investors. Boom. Love that. Yeah, well, I want to believe. Uh, well, I, a couple <laughs> more things. And the other thing that she said, which is I totally agree with, it's like, but what can I say? I don't want celebrities who have many other ways to reach an audience to become the extent of what people think podcasting is. If I wanted to hear from big name radio types and celebrities with popular TV shows, well, I think there are other outlets for that. Like what they're supposed to be doing their radio shows and their tv shows and their movies and things like again that. I, I want to believe but i have i don't have much faith in people i i just i, I just look at tv and i look at uh, you know well-written shows uh with with extensive casts and and deep thoughts and meanings doing nothing and the kardashians just taking over and making bank so i i i don't want podcasting to go this direction but i will not be surprised if it does well there is a little bit of pushback here because mm -hmm. uh, there is a tweet from Luminary, and I just like to say that Luminary has stepped on their dick with one single tweet. And it is a little graphic of a little rabbit holding up a sign that said, podcasts don't need ads. Well, go read that thread. Actually, we do. <laughs> Actually, we really do. Because, I mean, what are they going to have, 80 shows? Well, there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts and hundreds of thousands of podcasters. And these guys poked the bear. <laughs> they really poked the bear on this. Just go read the thread. It'll take you a long time because a lot of people are pissed off. And it's a really fun read. It's well, a really of course, they, they did what all companies do now when they've been caught doing something stupid. And uh, they're just happy that they opened up a conversation. Oh, yeah. I want to know if the person that made that tweet got fired. Oh, wait, of course not. No, Nobody gets fired. Nobody anymore. gets fired. In the news. As expected at the time and thought at the time, New York City actually dodged gigantic Jeff Bezos bullet. And this has <laughs> nothing to do with his penis pictures. Uh, <laughs> so after saying uh, thanks, but no, or thanks next, is that what the kids say these days? Because the Ariana Grande, uh, Amazon has moved into Arlington County instead of New York. And uh, as a report is coming out from the actual situation in exchange for giving Amazon about $23 million in incentives Activists wanted Arlington County to require the retail giant to pay union level construction wages, donate to affordable housing funds, basically give to the community that they're coming into instead of just promising to have jobs. Uh, but when the proposed incentive agreement was released on Tuesday, it basically said all Amazon has to do is fill a certain number of office spaces in its Crystal City headquarters. That's it. Receive the next the payout in the next 15 years. That is literally it. That's it. It is nothing but a payout to get them to come there. That's it. That's all That's it, it really is. And uh, 
the one thing I really liked about that story was some of the tweets that were in there. It's like, <laughs> what does Amazon have to do to get $23 million from Arlington? Just show up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and great. also pay $0 in federal taxes for yeah. the billions that they make. Uh-huh. That's how it works nowadays. I love uh-huh. the video that came along with the story that was really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And Amazon is pulling the plug on their pop-up stores. Have you ever seen one of these? I have not. Uh, wait, oh. well, I mean, there's a kiosk in my Whole Foods that has echoes and shows in it that you can that's, go up and that's yep. about it. Is that what they're considering a pop-up shop? It's because exactly it's, it. Yeah. Okay. Well, they've got 87 I, of them and they're getting rid of all of them. Okay. Because <laughs> they're, they're going to focus on, of course, the bookstores. Yeah, because I go to Whole Foods to get carrots, not not a not a Kindle. Not an Echo. Well, you know, if they had Echoes around the store where you could say, "Hey, hey Alexa, where's the carrots?" Then that would yeah. actually be something that would be worthwhile. That's what that's what they need, Alexa for enterprise. Yeah, so then they can just fire all the employees. Hmm. Yep. And they're also going to be working more on their four star stores. I yeah. heard that there's one of them around here somewhere. I have to go research this and go find this out because I, I would be interested to go see it. There's a bookstore right down the road from you. Okay. So it's it's like right on the other side of the 405 from you, which you know right. sucks, but uh <laughs> that might as well be in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, it's like in the Westwood Mall, which I think is great that it's in a mall because Amazon has killed all the malls. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, what you going to do? What you going to do? All right, back to my favorite topic of all time apparently, scooters. Yes, there is more going on with scooters again. Down in San Diego, these scooters have led to a federal lawsuit claiming the new devices cause discrimination against people with disabilities. Basically, my complaint when me with my kid in a stroller, unable to get down to the street, I was just being a little bit self-centered because I was worried about me. Think about people with wheelchairs, and that's why they're getting sued. Mm -hmm. People with wheelchairs or that are using crutches or anything like that. Prosthetic legs. Prosthetic legs. When these idiots dump their scooters right in the middle of a sidewalk or they dump them like on the depression when you're trying to get off a curb, which you have to use if you're using a wheelchair or something like that, you're not going to go try to get air. Um, they've just been dumped everywhere. So they're suing. Good. Yeah. And one of the guys in the article was, who's part of the complaints is like, he, you know, he was born with one leg and no arms. Mm-hmm. And so he's got all prosthetic limbs. And he's like, when these people are coming at me on the sidewalk, I can't get out of the way. So it's supremely dangerous for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Because you're not supposed to be riding them on sidewalks, but that's what people do. As the, as the thing states, it says they've turned sidewalks into a vehicle highway. Mm-hmm. That does seem to be the case. Yeah, so I hope they I hope they win. I really hope Me they too. win. Me too. Now, yep. we never we make a point of not really talking about porn on on this podcast because Not anymore because you yelled at me too much. Well, we were getting a little cray cray with it. <laughs> uh, but this is interesting not necessarily the porn angle, but just <laughs> if you think net neutrality isn't a concern and if you think that the free and open internet can't go away, let me tell you, it's going away in Britain. It is. There are new rules now that uh, require age verification for porn sites because we have to save the children's and God knows no children are smart enough to figure out ways to get around these things. But it's required. You will now have to if you are in the UK and you want to watch any porn, you will have to go get a sign up for a system called Age ID. You'll have to register yourself using details from a valid form of ID, such as a driver's license, credit card or passport. So when you first visit a site protected by age ID, a landing page will appear for the prompt and you have to put in your information. It is a one-time verification with a simple sign-on for future access. Uh, These rules, which are part of the Digital Economy Act of 2017, are aimed at making adult content less accessible to anyone under the age of 18. Now, if this is a little bit too weird for you, you don't want to give, say, your credit card or driver's license or passport as a form of verification, then tied to all these sites you visit. Yep. Which will be stored and tracked somewhere. Well, it's going to be stored and tracked on the Age ID servers. Yeah, so they will know everything that you look at and where you go to. Uh, You will be able to get a hold of a verification card known as a ports card from a selection of high street shops that costs around, I don't know, probably the equivalent of 10 bucks. So you can pay 10 bucks to look at porn or just have them track you and uh, know who you are. The interesting thing about this that really irks me is, I mean, Age ID is not a government run agency. It is a private company. Huh, do we have any experience with private companies collecting a lot of data and then not really <laughs> keeping good hold on it? Yeah, we do. We mm, do. Yeah, okay. okay. So I wonder how hard this company lobbied to get this legislation passed, for starters. For starters. Yeah. And I wanna I wanna hearken back to the old days of the internet. Back <laughs> in the the early days when uh, there was a site called Adult Check. Remember that? I, I do remember that, yes. So Adult Check basically was the same exact thing as Age ID. 
you mm-hmm. would sign up for Adult Check, you'd get your login, and then you could access different sites. Well, mm-hmm. Adult Check got taken down by the magazine Perfect 10. I don't know if you remember that magazine. I sure as hell do. And what the claim from Perfect 10 was is that Adult Check was facilitating uh, copyright theft because right. they were responsible for the content that was behind their age verification wall. Now, because they were, they got sued and, you know, Perfect 10 won and Perfect 10 went up against Google, Amazon, Visa and MasterCard. Of course, they didn't win against them, but they could win against a little guy like Adult Check. And Adult Check was not a little guy. Their revenue in in 2001 was 320 million. Right. My ex-girlfriend worked at Adult Check and she said it was just ridiculous. They were printing money, just absolutely printing money. And what, you know, it just got shut down because of that. And now is... Age ID going to be held to those same rules? Don't know. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know because it's it's it is again in the UK. Right. Um, interesting thing with Brexit is they're probably not going to be under GDIP, GDPR, so, or GDPR. I don't know where I got GDIP <laughs> from. So many yeah. acronyms, so little time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. But I just think it's it's a really uh, uncomfortable step to be taken to to realize that this this experiment this very young i mean i know we're 20 years in but 20 years is nothing very young experiment of the internet is already starting to change in ways that we did not expect it would so Ah, some of us kind of expected that it was going to go this way it's just it it happened a little faster and a little more left of center than we thought that's for sure that's for sure so and i do want to point out that the adult check thing that happened was here in the u.s so it was under you know our copyright laws and because yeah. it was it was because of the DMCA and the safe harbor laws. Yeah. I don't know if a, like age check or what is age ID GDIP is giving any money <laughs> back to the, the UK government because maybe that's part of it in, in that because they're going to need all the money they can get once Brexit goes through. If it goes yeah, through. This is true. If it goes through. Now, I'm starting to wonder if Recode is listening to us because uh, after we have a big rant or something, generally within two to three weeks, they have an article that is basically positing the same questions that we did. So I saw why companies like Lyft and Uber are going public without having profits. Hmm. So interesting. Some, some of the bullet points here. Lyft filed paperwork to become a public company last week with a valuation of $15 billion, but the ride-sharing company is still deeply unprofitable. The company had a net loss of nearly $1 billion last year. To put it another way, Lyft lost $1.47 for every ride it gave in 2018. <laughs> nice. <laughs> now, Uber's valuation is expected to be anywhere from $76 billion to $120 billion, so why aren't public markets more concerned about these negative balance sheets behemoths? And uh, it's just because we've gotten used to them. IPOs by money losing companies are more common than ever. In 2018, 81% of U.S. companies were unprofitable in the year leading up to their public offerings, according to data from Jay Ritter, an IPO specialist and finance professor at the University of Florida. Now, here's where it gets fun. You go. (laughs) Here's where it gets really fun. I wonder if this has ever happened before in the history of our financial markets. Yes, once. In 2000, the year the dot-com bubble burst, plunging the U.S. economy into the biggest recession it's had in our lifetimes. Yep. Yay. That's kind of it. So <laughs> start stocking up that ramen, start people. Start stocking it up, people. Yeah. No, it's it's really ridiculous how similar these things are. And, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's saying we're two to three years out from a recession anyway. So start planning accordingly and maybe save your money from these overvalued, you know, losers. Yep. Because it's they're they're going to be the first against the wall if a recession comes, you know yeah. people people care about things like Walmart and McDonald's in yep. a recession. They don't care Time to about diversify lift. your portfolio, folks. If you're all tech, yeah, definitely. Now, my favorite or one of my favorite. There's so many articles this week that I love. This one's from ZDNet. Close to half of startups jump on the AI bandwagon without the tech. I think ZDNet listens to our show as well. So you're saying they just put AI in their press releases and then just have people? After examining 13 (laughs) EU countries with local startups claiming to be active in AI, including the UK, Denmark, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain, in close to 40% of the cases, there was little evidence of AI adding any value. And uh, MMC (laughs) Ventures says that since 2015, startups claiming to develop AI have constantly raised more capital through investment rounds than software firms. A premise that brings to mind the use of the word blockchain (laughs) by a number of companies to make their shares jump in 2018, despite having no interest in distributed distributed ledger technologies. 
I swear to God, we could go back and find the episode <laughs> where we said the same damn thing. It's a game. It is a game with tech investing right now. That's all it is. And it's all built on nothing. I swear my like I can't stress enough to everybody out there. Be careful what you're investing in, if you're even investing at all. Like I'm sticking with the big tech companies that I know and trust. And I would never all these companies are just printing money from bullshit press releases. Yep. It's insane. Yes, it is. <sighs> I mean, All right. look how Gimlet just got $230 million. <laughs> I think I figured that one out, by the way. Hmm. Remember who was the first investor in startup from the first, like, you know, startup was Gimlet's first show and they got their first investment from someone named, oh, I don't know, Chris Saka. Ah. Now, I also hear through the grapevine that ABC was developing a show based on the show called Startup and Chris Saka was going to be playing himself. Now. <laughs> What would a billionaire do to make himself look good on TV? Well, he could say that the company he invested in for a couple hundred thousand dollars just had a $320 million exit. And I bet, I bet Chris Saka, billionaire investor who has since retired in the wake of some sexual scandals, uh, has the phone number of a few people over at Spotify to kind of push that deal through to make himself look good on TV. Billionaire games, these are the things people do. I, I understand it. And it's, it may sound like ridiculous to people like me and you who, you know, barely have a pot to piss in half the time, but this is the shit that these guys do. And this is all this stuff is. It's all, this, yep. all it is. It's a game. Yep. And uh, I just couldn't leave this one alone. Airbnb, which has been one of my favorite companies to complain about for a long time now, is uh, figuring out their own exit strategy uh, from the problems that they're getting themselves into by basically becoming a hotel company. Well, kind of a hotel company. They're, kind they, of. Yeah, they bought Hotel they're, they're, Tonight. They're investing in hotel spaces. They bought Hotel Tonight. Uh, I just see this in almost exactly the same route as Amazon, which was destroy the competition, then open up a bookstore. Yeah, kill a market. So and then kill a market and, and, and rebuild then, it. And then rebuild it with the same system that was there before. Yeah. So how's this disruption really working for us? It isn't. It's nope. it's destroying the old companies and replacing them with the new ones. Long, The king is dead. Long live the king. <laughs> Exactly. Security? Ha! We're back this week with Dave Bittner from the CyberWire podcast. The CyberWire is a free, community-driven cybersecurity news service based in Maryland. Dave is also a co-host of the new (laughs) Hacking Humans podcast, along with Joe Kerrigan, where they take on social engineering. Hello, hello. Hi, Dave. Hello. Good to be back. Uh, got a little bit of quick follow-up here on the Ring law enforcement story that we covered back in 321, mm. or as we like to say, 321 Contact. Right. <laughs> I used to love that show. Oh, so good, so good. <laughs> oh, yeah. man, the Bloodhound Gang. Yeah. All about the Bloodhound Gang. Yeah, yeah. So at uh, SpeedQuest2 over on Twitter sent this in, and this is a link to the support page over at Ring about email requests for video recordings from law enforcement. We're going to put this in the show notes, so if you want to go check it out. But the, there are very few options you, hear, you have here. You can share your videos, which will just share it straight away. You can review the videos before you send them to them, or you can do nothing. And you can also unsubscribe from future requests, should you choose. So okay. very straightforward stuff, and Ring at least has a decent page up to walk you through all of the options if you do get one of those emails. Excellent. Good to know. Yeah, I still wonder, is there an op with with the take no action... It says your identity and information will stay anonymous, but do you still show up as a pin on the map? I wonder. I'm guessing. I mean, how can your location stay anonymous if they're trying to track criminals in your area? Yeah. Yeah, that was always the head scratcher. It makes no sense at all how your location is anonymous. And even if, if, if you don't even appear as a pin, you would still just kind of, they know where you are. (laughs) It Mm -hmm. it makes no sense. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, my next uh, quick story here comes from NBCSandiago.com, and it is leaked documents show the U.S. government tracking journalists and immigration advocates through a secret database. And this is talking about how basically us and the Mexicans are tracking the people who are covering that big caravan that was coming up to the border. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a scary caravan. Yes, yes, we're all going to die. <laughs> it's a scaravan. It's a scaravan, right. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, so somebody at Homeland actually gave these guys a copy of some of the uh, the database and sh- SharePoint application data and screenshots that they were using. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this is kind of, une- I mean, it's 
expected. Unethical? It's, it's, I, don't, I don't even know if it's unethical. What they've done with the data is unethical. They've been detaining photojournalists for hours mm-hmm. and uh, sending them back to the U.S. when they get to Mexico and things like that. They're harassing them and stuff like that. And they just want to know, you know, what have you seen? What are you covering? You know, mm-hmm. you know show me your papers. Show me your pictures. Documents, and, please. Yes. Show me your papers. But we kind of, you know, I'm not surprised that this is being done in any way, shape or form. Are you? Mm, not I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, We are definitely I mean, it's difficult not to see attacks on media at all fronts. And uh, media seems to be all we have left in terms of finding out what's uh, not fake news anymore. Well, I, think, I just wanted to point out the fact that China is not the only one with a database. <laughs> I think the word I would use is chilling. Yeah, it's um, it's not what you want to see happen in what is uh, supposedly the United States of America. Yeah, it was yep. interesting to me in reading this article that uh, one of the photographers was talking about her trips back and forth and getting detained, and it seemed as though some of the border agents were sort of sort of let her in on it when they were saying hey your name is flagged for us to do this and this and this we're not really 100 percent sure why you know we're going to do what we're asked but it didn't seem like they were necessarily adversarial they were doing what they were required yeah. to do speaking um, of chilling they were just following orders yeah 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 but uh they seem sympathetic to I mean, they were said to her, you know, here's the here's the deal. Every time you come through here, this is going to happen to you. So plan your time accordingly. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's quite generous of them, I suppose. Um, yeah, it's 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 not what you want. And there's just there's so many things to be outraged at at the moment. This is just uh, somewhere in the list, isn't it? Yeah. And we have this this odd um, situation with our rights when it comes to border crossings. Mm-hmm. And you can understand there are legitimate reasons for having them. But the flip side is you get stuff like this if you're slowing down abu- journalists. It's an abuse of power. Yeah. 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 I, I just I, like that uh, it's, it's, con- it's done in conjunction with the Mexican government. So it's like, we're going to build a database and Mexico's going to pay for it. <laughs> and Mexico's going to put it out on an unencrypted server. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> if only. Uh, oh, boy. All right. And then we've got the big Facebook news. The pivot, <laughs> as it were, um, after, you know, years of not giving a shit about our privacy. Uh, CEO Mark Zuckerberg made it clear on Wednesday that privacy is Facebook's future. Mm-hmm. A possible future. It's part of their future. A privacy-focused vision for social networking. Now, I don't think we need to go point by point in here because everybody in the world, there has been more digital ink spilled on this (laughs) (laughs) uh, than ever before. So uh, what I will say is I don't think this should come as a surprise. I think we have, uh, Facebook has hit the wall of growth. Um, And we Mm. are in a position now where, where the only thing that matters for public companies is growth. Um, We can debate whether that's right or wrong. Obviously, it's wrong, so there's no debate. But that's the way it is, and Mm -hmm. uh, Facebook cannot grow anymore. Um, And so they have to do something different. And he, the the only thing left for Facebook would be to get into China, and that is not going to happen. Mm. Uh, That was the only portal for growth left for Facebook. So they took a long, hard look at China. And what is going on in China? WeChat has taken over the entire country. It is what everybody does everything through. And it is more than just a social network. It is in uh, private communications between yourself and who you want to communicate with. And the Chinese government. And And, uh, the shopping is done through it. Payments are done through it. Everything's done through it. And uh, Zuckerberg went, huh, guess we need to do that here. And that's what I think this is all about. It's uh, it's strange. (laughs) I I mean, I I saw this come across. I read Zuckerberg's note, which I think is that's around 3000 words. And when I finished reading it, I just stopped and thought to myself, what the hell was that? (laughs) I I mean, it it seemed completely tone deaf. Um, It seemed like word salad. Um, and he didn't really say anything. Everything is, is couched in, in the, in the terms of saying over the next few years, we're going to look into this. I think this, this was finally combed by PR and legal. Uh, it was to, written by PR and legal. Yeah, yeah, to the point of destroying, I mean, just pulling out any real thing in there other than a general 
hey, you know that whole thing about how we wanted to combine all the backends on stuff? We really want to do that, but we're going to do it for your privacy. Yep. It's a I, way to I, skirt around regulation because they, you know, that's they're going to run into real issues with the EU if they try and merge all of these backends. That's already come out that, you know, the EU is already looking at that going, uh, we talked to you about this already. We find you a couple of times and now you're rolling back on another thing you said you weren't going to do. Mm-hmm. Hmm. OK. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, the only thing I pulled from this and, and guys, tell me if I'm off base here is that. They're going to be focusing on some sort of chat thing that's end-to-end encrypted, but mm-hmm. it says nothing about continuing to track you. It says nothing about all of the things that we complain about pretty much every week here about yes. Facebook. It doesn't address any of those things when it comes to well, privacy. Again, what, what, again, what strikes me that they're doing is literally WeChat, except Facebook is the Chinese government. Right. Well, the thing about it also is it's like, you know, yeah, we're going to lose a couple vectors for advertising targeting, but we have more than enough already, and we don't really even need the subject of your the subject or the contents of your message to know how to target you. We have everything on you already. So <laughs> yes, we no longer care if you're posting it publicly because we've got you. Yeah, we don't need to see what you're saying. We just need to know you're saying it, and if you're saying it, we know how to target you. So it doesn't really matter to us. Well, and we know where you're saying it, and presumably, would they who still know who to? you're saying it to? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. And we know where they are. It's all metadata. They, they can do everything it's, through metadata, just yeah, like the got, NSA. They've got everything that they needed publicly, so now there's an outcry for, we don't like this anymore, we want privacy. So, okay, you can have privacy, but you need to do everything through us. That's what they want to build now. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing about this... You know, there there is a lot of talk about, you know, is this going to be an add-on to the current Facebook model or is this going to take over the Facebook model? And, you know, you can you can talk to your blue in the face because a lot of people have. I think some people have passed out from talking about it. <laughs> Everybody at Recode is on oxygen right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Walt Mossberg was already on oxygen. Let's be fair about that. Ooh. But, yeah, zing. Uh, the thing about this whole, the, what drives me nuts about this is, When was the last time Facebook actually made anything that they promised on? We still don't have a delete history button. Mm. Can Facebook actually do anything anymore? Are they too big to pivot or have enough engineers who haven't like, you know, stormed out after they vested? (laughs) Are they ever going to actually get to anything here? Because uh, honestly, when was the last time they published? I love the fact that in addition to, I mean, the unintended consequences of, of posting this this giant screed was the fact that it was brought back to everybody's attention that Mark, Mark Zuckerberg built himself a delete for all of his Facebook messages, but never gave it to everybody else to have that. Yeah, he mm-hmm. built it in like a weekend. <laughs> yeah, or had it so he was, able, he was able to delete his entire messenger history, but none of us can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you this. What if someone else, let's say, what if Apple were to, I mean, Apple already has iMessage, which is end-to-end encrypted. Mm -hmm. It has a payment um, functionality in it with iPays built into it now. What if if this was a play that someone like Apple made? Would you be comfortable with that? Yes, as long as Tim Cook is still running things. I think I probably would too. Tim Apple. I use... Tim Apple. We'll talk about that. Tim Apple. We'll talk about that. (laughs) Tim Apple. Uh, But I use both of those things all the time. I primarily all of my personal correspondence with people I try to do through, through um, text messaging and not through messenger or anything like that. Right. Um, I use Apple pay anywhere that they've got it. Yeah. It's convenient and I trust them. Apple has been remarkably consistent about security and privacy. Um, Facebook has not. I, I know that Apple considers themselves a hardware company, but it'd sure be nice if somebody that we trusted leapt in to do this sort of stuff. Yeah, I can't think of a company that I trust less than Facebook to do this sort of thing. Uh, you just could have left out to do this sort of thing. I can't think of a company I trust <laughs> yes, less. Yes, you're right. At all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to do anything. Uh, that's the thing. And, you know, and I just don't see them being able to keep the momentum and move people to some other sort of system with these claims of how great it's going to be because. I think once you get rid of the timeline and the public aspect of Facebook, there is no more Facebook and no need to be there because these things exist in other sources that we trust more. Yet mm. you still have your account. Well, yeah, because I still like the timeline and I like seeing uh, <laughs> I like seeing Dave's updates. I see Dave's yeah. updates. I would yeah. not know about so many of these things if it were not for Facebook and the, the social timeline. 
I like the social timeline still. You stand by the fact that the company that you trust the least out of anybody, mm-hmm. you still use. I would never give them my credit card. I would never give them any personal information other than what they already have. I use all the clear features that I possibly can use whenever they are available. And I don't post, you know, super personal things. It's 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 how I get a lot of my news. It's how I share uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is opening on this date. And it's mm. fine for all of that. I, I would never use them for private communications that I expected to remain private. I hate using Messenger and I hate when people write me on Messenger. Yeah. I look at it as, uh, as we've talked about here before, I look at it as smoking. I, 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 I compare it to smoking is that I'm a Facebook user in the same way that someone was a smoker. It's really hard to quit. You know and, you got to. You yeah, know you want to. You right. know you will eventually. Yeah. But not today. Right. <laughs> and I, what? where is the non-creepy version of Facebook? How has there not been, I mean, I guess maybe Google Plus was attempt to do that, although obviously we know how, what Google does with information. But it seems to me like somebody could get in front of a bunch of VCs and say, I want to do what Facebook does in a non-creepy way. We're going to sell ads, but it's not going to be tracked the way that Facebook does. Give me some right. money. And somebody would say, yes. You'd and, think. And if we could port our information over, or even if we couldn't. <laughs> I always feel like... so much desire. I think people... And that's where we are. People hate being on Facebook, but there is no alternative. And there are lots of things that we enjoy about Facebook that we would hate to lose. I think Apple has remained gung-shy since they put out Ping. Um, Ping mm. was a good attempt. It was their attempt at doing it, but they tied it to music, which was the biggest mistake that they made. If they just would have put it out there as a social product, I think we'd all be on it right now. Hmm. What do you think about this, though? What if all the VCs do not want to fund that because they're scared of Facebook? Because, or because they're heavily vested in Facebook. <laughs> yes, that was my second point. They, but it, if they want to create a company that may one day be bought by Facebook, but they're also investing in this other company that is supposed to be a Facebook killer, then that model has gone away. So Facebook could just be strong arming VCs saying, you're not allowed to vest, invest in a company that well, would be coming after us one day. This this gets us right back to something that, that we've been screaming about on this show for quite a long time now, and the FTC is supposedly going to take a look at, which is the fact that we have virtual monopolies. You can't yeah. go up against Apple, Facebook, Google, Amazon. You can't. Like, you cannot compete with them. And for, for multitudes of reasons, they have the most guns. They're probably controlling the VCs. It's They've got locks on all these things, and they're not letting go. And somebody's going to have to let them loosen up a little bit if we're ever going to get a viable competitor in there. Mm-hmm. Which means we're probably never going to get a viable competitor in there until nope. Facebook dies in it, with the heat death of the universe. I'm going to start <laughs> using WeChat. I'd rather the Chinese government know what I'm talking about than Zuck. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, man. So I found another interesting article, which comes back to something we've also talked about in the past, which is, is anything ever deleted? Mm-hmm. And now Facebook has decided, and, and the, the name of this article is a little puff piece here, but and hat tip to a friend of the show, Chris Lockhead, for this one. Facebook is dying, and here's the proof. No, it's, it's over not. on Medium. And uh, <laughs> the only takeaway here is that Facebook has decided to double their grace period from 14 days to a month. Before Keeps people on the books longer. It does keep people on the books longer. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's like, oh... That just shows we have more users for longer and we're not having a problem. This is the equivalent of the Mormons rolling dead people into their books. Increases their numbers. (laughs) Or the or the uh, (laughs) FCC's uh, polling. You know, yep. the same thing. Well, it's, also, it's, it, it, the, if the, uh, you know, the tobacco companies find out that you're trying to quit smoking and they start mailing you cartons of cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's the way it No, goes. so it's, it's, uh, it's not surprising at all that they're doing this. It's definitely, it's, again, it's a numbers game with the investors. Of course it is. And, uh, and they also know that they're going to beat you down. I mean, they, we have to always remember that Facebook employs almost as many psychologists as they do programmers. They know that this is going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they know this is going to work for a lot of people uh, like you, 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 you can white knuckle it through 30 days. You increase it to 60 and you keep getting those notifications about how your friend Billy Joe Bob just did that. And you got to go look and yeah. boom, you're right back in. Yeah, I'm and sure it's, it's another... like a small percentage increase, but it's a percentage increase on people yep. that will stay. Right. That's why they do it. And soon it'll be 60 days, then 90 days. And after a year, we'll say it's OK. <laughs> yeah. And and another little bit of 
not being able to le- delete anything on the internet. I talked about my 500px account a while ago when I tried to delete it, mm-hmm. and I had to send in an email. I just, as we're recording this, I just got a follow-up from 500px. Mm. Now, I would like to say that I put my first request to delete my account in on February 14th. Today is March 8th. Hi there. We have received your ticket for your request for account deletion. However, we are currently experiencing a higher than usual volume of support <laughs> requests, which may cause a delay in the response time. Additionally, due to the sensitive nature, sensitive nature of this matter, we are thoroughly reviewing each request individually. We recognize that this is inconvenient and apologize for the delay. Thank you for your patience. Please monitor your inbox for further updates. Thank you, Suzanne. So well, by 500px standards, Facebook is positively quick at deleting your account. Uh, well, we're still, we're still under the, the month. You know, we're three weeks now. We're yes, three weeks. High volume, Jason. High I, I volume. Guarantee, I guarantee you this won't get done in the next week. Yeah. We'll follow up next week. I wonder if any of this runs afoul of GDPR, including the Facebook thing. I, I, I and the GDPR has um, notification time limits, but I wonder if they have, they have the right to be forgotten rules, but I wonder if, I have to check and there see if there's time a time constraints. If there's a time yeah. constraint on the right to be forgotten. Yeah. It probably That's says something like reasonable or something like that. But uh, it's, yeah, I'll have to look at it. I swear that. we're we're getting to the point now where I would almost consider like moving to Europe for a year to just delete all my accounts and yep. make sure everything gets deleted and then I can move on back. <laughs> 500px is based in Europe. So right. yeah. yeah, well, they would know. Maybe if I just send them, you know, a threat for a GDPR, you know, ting, ding, then I can get something done or publicly shame them on Twitter. I don't know. Maybe. No, you know what? I have publicly shamed them on Twitter and it got me nothing. That used to be the only way to get customer support. And now even that's gone. <laughs> now even that doesn't work much anymore. Oh, yeah. Man. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about Alphabet's house of cards companies. <laughs> um, Google's parent company, Alphabet, announced uh, something called Chronicle about a year ago, which would be a cybersecurity division, and they have launched their first commercial product, which is a global telemetry platform called Backstory. It's a bit like Google Photos, but for business network security. <laughs> okay, so you dump everything in Google Photos, they structure it, recognize faces, they give you themes, they store it in the cloud and allow you to understand it. Backstory works in a similar way, storing huge volumes, petabytes of data on a company's tech infrastructure from employees' devices to domain name servers, and then this can be easily brought up in a series of poorly designed UI graphs. <laughs> Does Much it say like that in the Google's article? Other... No, I was just a, <laughs> just a little commentary there. Brian's just putting a little color on that okay. one. <laughs> As a longtime user of Google Analytics, I have a feeling I can uh, I can speak with some authority about their shitty UI. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, what do you think about this, Dave? Have you guys talked about this much? It seems to be a, a pretty all-encompassing attempt to take over uh, all your company's cybersecurity needs. Yeah, uh, I've, I spoke to a couple people who are out at RSA this year. I, I did not go. We had some, some of our folks were out there, but I stayed back this year. And this generated a lot of excitement and buzz as much just that we have something from Google in this domain. And so it, when the when the 800-pound gorilla comes in and, and says, hey, I'm I'm joining your party. Uh, everybody <laughs> looks around and takes notice. So um, I think there was uh, interest and excitement based on that. Um, I, I guess the bottom line is, how much of your information do you trust with a company that's a spinoff from Google? Yeah, well, they, they do try to address that a little bit. And they, they stress that they are distinctly not Google. Right. They definitely... <laughs> Are, but they have separate legal and privacy agreements, which I'm hoping somebody is going over with with a fine tooth comb at the moment. But uh, and they do argue that they have a goldmine of historical information on security threats, as they've seen just about everything, which does seem to be a plus for them. But yeah, it does again come down to your comfort level with Google's already got everything. Am I going to give them my entire business? Yeah. Well, and this isn't aimed at, like you say, this isn't aimed at consumers. This is an enterprise level kind of thing. So anybody who's going to engage with this is going to do their due diligence. And Google knows that, or, or Chronicle knows, I suppose, that uh, <laughs> nobody's going to engage with them without the right um, assurances from them that this is going to work as advertised and they're going to protect the data. I mean, I will say on, on the one hand, Google's been pretty good about about not being breached. Right? I was going to say, you know what? When it comes to trust from companies, yeah, I trust Google a hell of a lot more than Facebook. I mean, oh, yeah. I re- yeah. Google's I trust just with- under Apple. Yeah. And actually, Google has historically been extremely good for companies, just not so much for us personal consumers. 
yeah. I don't know. They've been pretty good for me. I, I've yeah. got no I've got no real complaints with Google for what they've done in the past. I mean, I know what they do is, you know, fairly creepy, but I just I don't really have that many problems with Google at all. One thing I would except would for make their design. <laughs> yeah, their design is horrible. The, the only thing that would make me feel much better about Google is as I love the fact that they put in the ability to delete delete your histories from their servers completely. But I do want to know if that delete is really delete because we know it's not for a lot of companies. So if Google comes out and says, when you delete that history, it is gone. Then I almost am totally okay with Google again. Weirdly. You know why I believe them? Because if they got busted for that, that would be a really big problem. I mean, they, I know they've done, had a few issues, but that was just like turning on, you know, your search history by default yeah. back in the day. Yeah. yeah. But I have gone through, I've turned on search, like, you know, allow search history for like a little while with my Android phone just to get some stuff done, gone in, turned it off and then tried to download my search history. It's like came back empty, went, turned it back on. Cause normally you would think that, Oh, well, if he turns it back on, then all the history will be still there, be there again. Yeah. Nope. Did a few well, searches. Visibility is just set to zero there, Jason. <laughs> I know, but at least if they're doing it, they're doing it well. But I, I have a tendency to believe Google when they say they delete stuff. Because if they got well, caught, man, I certainly it believe in more than Facebook. That's yeah. For sure. Well, on the enterprise level, the companies who'd be engaging with this, because this is a product that's I don't know what it costs, but it, I'm sure it starts in the six figures. I would imagine um, a company that's going to engage with Google on this is going to say, uh, when you delete stuff, prove it, and the, yeah. you know, Google's going to have to show show proof that show their work. Is, yeah, show. Yeah, we don't, and so. I'm optimistic about this. Uh, it, it certainly has gotten a lot of attention. I think it's interesting. If it does what it says it does, pretty cool tool. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I've yeah. never played with Google Photos, but everybody I know that uses it says it's pretty much amazing. Oh, I love what? it. I love you it. You do? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've just started. That's where I, that's become the bucket for all of the family photos. I, I created a an account that's that's called basically I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's like Bittner Family Photos or something like that. Oh, and what what was the password? Just checking your password on that there, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> like everything, one, two, three, four, five. Um, so, <laughs> change my luggage. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a place to put not just my photos, but the whole family's photos, because. Right. I'm I'm betting on the fact that Google's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, but the searchability... All of your complaints, Jason, about all the various different things you've been using to put your photos into. Yeah. Right. The searchability yeah, is just it. amazing. Being able to say, show me pictures of my dog in the snow. Mm -hmm. And up comes all the pictures of my dog in the snow. You know, like... Sold! You got me <laughs> yeah. right there. That's all I need. Pictures I of my dog in the snow. Dog, yeah. <laughs> I know where your soft spot is, Jason. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you pitched that sale perfectly. Uh, right. You hit my little bicycle spot. My legs are already going back and forth really yep. fast. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, finally, I've got a story that isn't uh, have anything to do with security, but I do want to try to start ending these segments on an High note, as it were, uh, President Trump praised his good friend in a recent meeting as a Tim Apple. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate it very much, Tim Apple, said Trump. He had previously noted in the meeting that Mr. Apple had become a friend of his. <laughs> now, all praise to Tim Cook again. I'm liking Tim Cook more and more every single day. He is in on the joke and uh, he changed his Twitter name to Tim Apple signal. Yeah. Yeah, there's also yeah, been a Apple. there's been an image making the rounds of the whole executive team um, from <laughs> Apple, and it has Tim Apple and uh, you know basically, Elon Tesla. Yeah, well, it has basically <laughs> everybody else from Apple, but with what they do in the company. So there's right, <laughs> you know, I don't know, Johnny Ive would be you know Johnny Design and you know things like that. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty cool mob you know name thing going on there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hey, exactly. Tim Apple, what do you want, Johnny Design? <laughs> right. Right. Strangely appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And on that note. Yeah. Good good times. Good times. There was another, actually, I think it was uh, on a, not completely unrelated to that. Um, I think it, gosh, who was it? I think it was General Nakasone uh, at RSA this year. A reporter asked him, um, how do you feel about the president of the United States using an unsecured phone? <laughs> and he paused and he said, next question, please. <laughs> <laughs> that about says it all yeah. doesn't it yeah yep. 
All right, gents. All right. <laughs> if the world should still be here next week, we will be back. Right. And if not, I'll see you on Facebook. Ups and doodads. Jason, do you remember the company iHome? Yes, I do. They were kind of find them in every hotel. Exactly. I was going to get to the hotel bit. Uh, They were kind of the first company that recognized, okay, we don't really have CDs and people aren't really listening to the radio that much anymore. And they have these devices, these little pocket devices that have all their music. So let's make an alarm clock that you can plug that into. It'll charge it. And you can then listen to music from your from your iPhone when you wake up. Smart. Very Mm -hmm. smart. And all the hip, cool hotels, you know, around the world bought them up because they thought they would be great. What they didn't think about doing was ever <laughs> following up with that and staying with the changes and getting the adapters so your lightning ports could start to work because all of that sure. stuff they forgot to do. Um, so the, none of the upkeep ever occurred with the hotels. But uh, I've I've had one for a long time and I finally just kind of got over it because it's too big and I don't need it. And well, I you have, can't you get the forty pin connector so you don't have your old iPod lying around that you can plug into it. <laughs> well, I had use. the adapter, but it ended up putting my iPhone like seven feet into the air. Yeah, uh, when you were charging stacking with adapters. <laughs> yes, yeah, stacking adapters. Uh, so I was looking around for something new. Um, as we talked about, you know, I would have loved to have gotten the Alexa thing um, that they have for a, a night or for an alarm clock, but it has a camera in it, so no. Yep. Um, and I decided, well, I've got all these devices that I need to charge. Um, and even my iHome thing only had two USB ports on it. So I did a little Googling around and I found the, or Amazoning around, I suppose. And I found the Oler BR charging stand docking, charging dock suitable for Apple Watch Series 4 slash 3 slash 2 slash 1, AirPods slash iPhone XS slash iPhone XS Max slash iPhone XR slash X slash 8 slash 8 plus slash 7 slash 7 plus slash 6S slash 6X plus slash iPad Black. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a lot of words for a small, tiny stand that is built to kind of hold uh, a phone, a watch, and uh, AirPods. Pods. Yeah, AirPods. And uh, yeah. it works wonderfully. And I got, you know, I got a four, uh, four USB charging thing that sits under the bed. So I've got an extra cable that's there for my iPad, which I end up just like putting on the side of my bed anyways when I'm done reading. Works perfectly. Um, the, uh, the watch is a suitable enough night. Uh, nightlight for me slash clock to see what time it is and i like that it goes off and stays completely dark and i just have to tap it if i want to see what time it is um and it charges everything wonderfully at night it's perfect it's all i need there, there you go it's <laughs> uh i don't like all the cables i was you know the charging pad from apple is supposed to alleviate all of this but yeah charging pads have not been working for me as we know from previous experience so right but it's not apples so once <laughs> apples gets here but apples is like a year and a half late yeah so now, I don't want to get all that crap because I do have a charging pad and I don't really need it. Mm-hmm. But I've been using this one for a very long time. It is the Spigen S330 designed for Apple Watch stand with aluminum body for Apple Watch Series 4 slash Series 3 slash Series 2 slash Series 1 left off slash 44 millimeter slash 42 millimeter slash 40 millimeter slash 38 millimeter dash patent pending. Patent pending. <laughs> <laughs> now, this was just a nice, elegant little stand. For your Apple Watch. And I love it. It's clean. The design is nice. It, it sits well. It's like well balanced. It's only 12 bucks. Gets mm-hmm. the job done. Nice. Yeah. And uh, I, I I like yours, but I, yeah, I just don't need it. Is the Well, it's issue. perfect for me. If you don't need all that connectivity, then yeah, don't get it. But uh, yep. for me, it has replaced my, my uh, alarm clock and it's perfect. Cool. Good for you. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll get it. Maybe. <laughs> maybe I'll get some less. I don't know. Because I mean... The problem is my my iPhone is in the bed at night with me because I, it plays podcasts and audiobooks because I need some noise to fall asleep to. And I think if it's on the stand, it'll be I'd have to crank it up too loud, but like my my roommate might hear it. So that's the only issue. Ah, but it would be nice to have all three charging at once. It's very oh. nice. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I had a little spillage on my my desk yesterday, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, knocked over a beer. Not good. Not good at all. Because yeah, I usually have everything in, in bottles with caps on them. I never have anything on my desk. And for some reason, there was a beer on my desk. Oh, it was because I was thirsty. That's right. <laughs> and I went to move something and it got knocked over. And I just, you know, it was a, it was mm-hmm. a mess. Exactly. It was a total mess. So I'm like, okay, let me, let me Amazon around and find me a cup holder for my desk. I'm like, how tacky and white trash that is, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Wait, isn't that what the CD thing? Oh, yeah. Nobody has CDs anymore. I know. That's what it used <laughs> to be for on my PC. Uh, so I got the 
Kimmy Moto ATV cup holder for Can Am Spider drink holder RZR water bottle holder Universal for Harley Honda Suzuki Yamaha Rollator Walker wheelchair push chair transport chair bar. Okay, <laughs> but it also works on a desk because they have a picture of it on a desk. <laughs> uh, and it was you know thirteen bucks, and I can just stick it on the side of my desk so uh, like my stuff won't fall off anymore. It says it holds a maximum water bottle of uh, twenty ounces, but I'm sure it'll hold a beer bottle as well. But in doing that. I was I was reminded that I needed a new water bottle, like a smaller one, and I got right. the Takeya five hundred. What is it? The, the Takeya fifty thousand forty one Originals vacuum insulated stainless steel water bottle, twenty four ounce black, twenty four ounce. Hmm. <laughs> they really want to drive home that it's twenty four. It's twenty four ounces. ounces, people. <laughs> I have the thirty two ounce Takeya water bottle, and it is awesome, but it is massive. Did I bring that one with me to Canada? Did you I see think that you one? You did, yes. It was a giant monster that I don't think I ever used because all we drank up there was beer. But, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? It's 23 bucks, but these are my favorite water bottles. They are just, they're really comfy. They got a big hook on them or a big like loop to hold them. They're really great. If you, if you need a new water bottle, check them out. They're really cool. Very stylish, I think. Brick a brick. Now, in honor of Keith Flint from the Prodigy's passing last week, a lot of my music friends uh, on the Book of the Face were, were sharing this link. Um, it's pretty amazing. This guy, Jim Pavlov, basically has reverse engineered the track Smack My Bitch Up in Ableton Live, and uh, he shows all the samples, how it was put together. It is just stunning. It's unbelievable. My jaw was on the floor when I watched this. It was, yeah. like, it was like nine minutes of just insanity. Yep. Wow. I mean, and he nailed it. He yeah. just nailed it. sounds it. exactly like the original track. It's, he's done a whole series of these. I've watched quite a few of them, but the, this one I thought was definitely the best. Yeah, the only problem with Ableton is just that interface. <sighs> uh, it is horrible, but uh, everybody uses it now. It's crazy. I could never get into it. I just never liked Ableton. I don't know why. Mm. I went straight from uh, Sony's Acid to uh, Logic, so that's my my path. Oh, you never did Pro Tools? Tools? Oh, I did a lot of Pro Tools, too, but Pro Tools was never great for s and manipulating samples, and most of the mm. music that I did was sample-based, so... Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, also, Pro Tools, ugly and expensive, and you have to use that damn key. <laughs> Eat that key. I think, didn't they get, I think they've gotten rid of that. Nope, nope. Oh, okay. I, I bought it a year ago, and you still All had right. to have the damn key. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, in other news, uh, obviously, we're podcasting still, which means we're not making any money, and uh, I'm still uh, a part-time stay-at-home dad at the moment, so I was a uh, kind of bemoaning that fact recently to a friend of mine about how I felt like I've, I kind of don't have too much going on in my professional career at the moment. And it's fine. I'm, I'm really enjoying doing the parenting thing, but uh, I do miss kind of being out in the world. And then as if by magic, because Facebook is not listening to us, <laughs> this link came across in my Facebook feed about how much money stay-at-home parents should be making. It's pretty intense. Uh, it's a new survey done by salary.com, and they say the average stay-at-home parent should be earning an annual salary of $162,000 a year in 2018. Uh, they did the math on it. They determined the average work week for stay-at-home mom or dad is 96 hours, and then they asked thousands of parents how much time per week they spend on different tasks, from cleaning the house to helping their kids with homework. They then calculated the total sum using the, salaries, uh, the site's salary wizard tool, and based on responses from real parents, they aggregated the salaries of 34 different jobs that stay-at-home parents take on, including janitor, school teacher, event planner, staff nurse, dietitian, laundry manager, and even CEO. So they really uh, gave it you, a real how, go. <laughs> how can you put the CEO in there? That's a that's a stretch to, I think, bump the number. Well, I don't. If, I mean, if we're talking tech CEO, then it should be what? Half a million? 25 million per <laughs> 25 year? 25 million, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the 2018 figure marks an increase of about $5,000 from the previous year. Um, and it's been going up steadily year by year. Shocking because everything is more expensive now and we're getting paid less and less. And uh, <laughs> the interesting thing they found too, which made me feel a little less not alone, uh, that's it's not the only thing on the rise, the money. They found that 11 million parents who chose to stay home with their kids, 7% of those were fathers, up from 4% in 1989. So there's a few more of us out there. Yep. You're, you're a growing army. Yes. And then just because I thought we didn't have enough stories, but we always do, and I just love this one. Uh, for the first time, scientists find jellyfish-like animal with a transient anus. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I am tempted to use transient anus for a show title, but I don't think we will. No, we will not. <laughs> but, veto, uh, <laughs> executive veto on transient anus. But this is actually interesting compared to other parts of anatomy. The anus is underappreciated, but without a way to expel waste from the body, all the work that takes place at other stages of digestion wouldn't be good for much. Scientists now have a better understanding of how our anuses evolved after identifying the first transient anus and jellyfish, according to new scientists. So the warty comb jelly does not have a visible anus most of the time. You discovered it only forms one when it needs to take a dump. <laughs> it's like it's like an astardus. It just shows yeah. up when, you, when the doctor needs to come out. <laughs> yes. As waste builds up, the creature's gut expands until it touches the outer layer known as the epidermis. At this point, they fuse together and form an orifice where there wasn't one before. Waste is then disposed. And once they're done with their business and put down their newspaper, the hole closes up again <laughs> and the gut and the epidermis go back to being two separate layers. Awesome. <laughs> oh, that's kind of gross. Yeah, right? <laughs> that is so gross. Okay. Well, transient anus, it is. Okay. And uh, because I didn't want to wait for the next moron of the week, because it's mm. going to be a while, and I think this story is going to be everywhere. It's not, it's. It already no, is, man. Oh, it, it made it. <laughs> oh, damn. When I first yeah. got it, it was only in the Toronto Sun in one other place, and I had to wait for, I had to wait for confirmation on it. But Billionaire diamond trader Ehud Arai is dead. He's a 65-year-old billionaire. Mm -hmm. And he died in a Paris hospital because he was getting a penis enlargement. Now, he's a moron of the week because you, he's, if you're a billionaire, who cares? <laughs> I mean, you have a billion dollars. You can have anything you want. Why would a bigger schlong make any difference in the world? I guess the sports car and the yacht and the private plane did not do it. Yeah. He felt it needed to be bigger. Oh, well, sometimes you just, sometimes karma just takes over. I was going to say sometimes karma bites you in the ass, but he got bit somewhere else, didn't he? <laughs> karma bit him in his transient anus. <laughs> Closing shout outs. I, I hope in post-production, Jason is putting in the sad uh, in memoriam music here, because here we go again. Uh, breaking news as of this morning, Airwolf star Jan Michael Vincent has been found dead at 74 after suffering a cardiac arrest. Oh, man. I love the yeah. airwolf. Yeah, all of our childhood is going away. And as the entire world knows by now, unfortunately, Alex Trebek has announced he has stage four pancreatic cancer. Um, that's not good. This nope. is what my uh, my uncle actually has, which I've been talking to you off the air about, Jason. Um, he's managed to, to go a year, but he's in this is final days at this point because there is no cure and it is a, it's very deadly. Mm hmm. So sad news for Alex Trebek. I, I, you know, Jeopardy has always been one of my mainstays, part of my life. Um, you know, my wife and I, one of the last things that we did before we had our kid is we went to a couple tapings, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we announced uh, our son's um, our son's announcement thing was a Jeopardy screenshot that we tweaked around and played with, you know, made questions up and all that sort of stuff. And actually, crazily enough, as uh, as we were giving birth. Jeopardy happened to be on in the delivery room. So the first <laughs> thing my son ever saw was Alex Trebek. <laughs> I don't think he'll remember that, but uh, I sure do. And uh, yeah, very, very sad news. Yeah. Why was the Why was the TV on in the delivery room? Did the were, were the you know because you don't really watch. know when it's actually going to come, and you're okay. pretty bored sitting there waiting. So you know, Jeopardy was on. <laughs> okay. Okay. And the, you know, all of a sudden it's go time, and nobody went for the remote, so it was okay. Okay, that's what I was wondering. I'm like, you're sitting there. I see the head. Uh, what is giving birth? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and more sad news, but not as sad news. This is for LA folks. Well, actually, I think this the show's been syndicated all over, but uh, K-Rock's Kevin and Bean are finally breaking up after 30 years. I remember when they first got it, when they first started, when they were a brand new show. That's That was prime K-Rock listening years for me. Yeah, January 1990 is when they started. I started mm -hmm. listening to them in 95 when right. I first moved here. So I'll have like, you know, by the time they quit, I'll have 25 years of them under my belt. Nice. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I haven't listened to K-Rock in 20 plus years or so, but mm -hmm. uh, it is sad to hear. They were definitely a mainstay here. So. I, that's the, you know, the one thing that my Alexa was really good for when I was in Chicago was I would get up in the morning and I would listen to K-Rock. I would listen right. to Kevin and Bean. So <laughs> I've listened to them, you know, not every day, but off and on for 25 years. So. It's time. 30 years. I mean, it's a long time. Hell, yeah. after six, I'm about ready to dump your ass. But, uh, you know, it goes that way sometimes. Yeah, maybe I'll move to England, too. Yeah, maybe I'll move to Toronto and you move to England. <laughs> <laughs> so let's end on a high note this week. OK. HIV has been reported cured in a second patient. 
Now, this is 12 years after the first patient, yes. which is a long time, but it's good news. And I believe you have some more good news, Brian. Well, apparently there is a, now a third patient that has been reportedly cured of HIV. There was a 12-year gap, as you mentioned, between the first and second, but uh, only two days between the second and third. Now, nobody is saying outright that this is a cure. They're describing it as long-term remission, but uh, looking pretty good. It is also a very specific, like you have to find somebody that has the same kind of bone marrow that doesn't have these specific genetic markers. But hey, now that everybody's done their 23andMe spit in a tube thing, we can find those people pretty easy, right? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So good news there. Until next time, I'm Brian Schulmeister. And I'm Jason DeFilippo. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. To support the show and keep us on the air, go to patreon.com slash GOG. Toss us a buck a month and we'll love you forever. If you'd like to give a one-time or recurring donation, go to GOG.show and click the PayPal button in the sidebar. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 327. From there, you can find links to old episodes, leave feedback, ask questions, and get links to stuff we like. Stay grumpy. I'm Jan Michael Vincent. Keep watching Airwolf on USA, because in January, something very special will happen. Wolf. A new chapter begins January 23rd.